Good morning and welcome to Plant Experts, live at Prairie Gardens. But today we're recording this ahead of time so that everybody can enjoy their Saturday morning on New Year's Day. I'm Tamara McDaniel. I have the Plant Experts here with me, including Steve Brown. Good morning. Marion Metz. Good morning, Tamara. John Weisgarver. Good morning, Tamara. It's a very strange environment, not being in the store, but being here at the radio station. I miss the shopping cart. Yeah. I miss the sound. I miss the paging. I miss the the birds chirping or everything that's going on in the background. Mm -hmm. The birds chirping. When we're out in the Mm -hmm. greenhouse. All the plants. Oh, yeah. I love that part. Yeah. But I appreciate you doing this um, so that everybody can enjoy their New Year's Day. Well, we knew that the three of us wouldn't be celebrating too much on New Year's eve so it really wasn't going to impact the three of us too much but we were actually thinking of you for a change yeah it's all about you it's all about the engineer here at the station for a change i feel so special you should i feel guilty too but don't get used to it okay i won't (laughs) now it's nice that we're still able to have a show though on new year's day and here we are starting off 2022. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. <laughs> hard to imagine, isn't it? So, so we picked out five different topics that are somewhat timeless, that are very, very important, that we feel like almost every gardener could use a refreshing on or a, some new tips or whatever that they uh, may want. And so we, we're going to talk about seed starting, um, and we're going to talk about proper watering techniques, proper planting techniques, pruning techniques, and of course, we'll talk about hydrangeas because you can't have a gardening show without talking about hydrangeas. One of the most popular plants. Love it. Yes, it is. So, so Johnny, back to seed starting, Johnny's got a nice little handout at PG, and is that available for customers if they want to come in and get it? It is available for customers, yes. So tell us about that handout as I put on my glasses. (laughs) We call it Seed Starting 101. It's really basically procedures of how to go about starting seeds. And what's the number one thing that we do? We pick out our seeds, and then we read that seed packet entirely. And it's going to tell you all the information you want to know on the back. So that's really critical. I mean, to either have a preconceived idea of what you want to grow and what you want to start from seed, because you were inspired by something past success or some vegetable that you ate at the market or whatever it might be or some flowers that you saw. So like John, you're talking about the seed packets has everything you need to know. Absolutely. What are some of the key things? Absolutely. Well, the first thing is obviously you're deciding what you want to grow and eat or visually flowers. So then you have to think about uh, what it's going to tell you about. It's going to give you all the height perimeters, width perimeters, sun requirements. So that's some of the things you got to consider. And then you're going to talk about when can you plant it. And you're going to plant usually after the last frost free date. You can start them too early if you don't have the right conditions to go ahead and grow them and maintain them to be healthy plants. So with that date in mind, what's the best tool you can use when seed starting? Calendar. Uh, calendar. <laughs> good, good guys. And just work backwards. Mark that date on your calendar. The last frost date, like guaranteed Mother's Day. But it was it last year we had a cold it was cold on, on Mother's, Mother's Day. Day or the day after Mother's Day. I can't remember now, but you just want to shoot for that m- mid-May date and work backwards from there because your seed packet tells you how long it's going to take to germinate and develop into a plant and when to plant it out. So work back from that day. It's interesting if you read whether it's a herb or, or vegetable or especially like some of the tomatoes and peppers and basil, things like that, that likes absolute warm temperatures, uh, how long 
sometimes the the germination can be five to twenty days. Oh yeah. So, you know, that's kind of a waiting, waiting, yeah. waiting. Yeah. And we, again, we brought a couple show and tell things that, of course, the at home audience can't see, but we brought them to share with you. So when, when John's talking about trying to make sure the temperatures are up, this is one of the essential tools for that. And it's a seed mat, a heat mat, that you'd put underneath the tray that you would have the little pots or pellets or whatever you're going to grow the seeds in. So it'll keep the soil that you're growing in maybe 10 to up to 20 degrees warmer than the ambient temperature in the air. Oh. So it'll make a big difference in terms of how quickly something germinates. It'll make a big difference in the health of the plant versus being too cool and not performing well and you think oh, I don't want to buy that I don't want to spend the money on that but you're going to have it forever and okay. it's a one of the smartest things you could get well a couple other things you have to consider are your containers that you're planting in the planting medium and your watering and light so that's all things that we need to consider so as far as light level for germination what's your opinions on that necessary not necessary for for actual germination for actual germination, I think the heat's more important. Yep. And water. But, but then once the seedling that's a different germinates yeah. and the plants start to grow and develop, the light level's critical. Yes, yep. absolutely. And then besides being in a very, I'll say, bright window, how else would you support the, the light level for the plants? Or would you control it with a plant light and stay away from window? What would you guys do? Artificial light. Yeah. And we've just got in a couple of lines of bulbs for growing that are actually true light sources that plants need. It isn't just a fluorescent light. These yeah. guys are, are specifically designed to give out the right uh, color. Spectrum of color yeah. for right. the plants. And we've got them in incandescent uh, LEDs yeah. and tube fluorescents or LEDs, too, I believe. That's yep. great. Yep. What part of the store are you yep. keeping those in? <sighs> the seeds starting. Oh, okay. So they're, they're back up into the <laughs> main garden center right now. They had a back row seat a few weeks ago with Christmas. But they're already back up on the wall where the Christmas lights were <laughs> the last two months. So, yeah, the seed starting is starting to happen. I, she's got almost all the supplies out. And yeah. I think we have... Two or three vendors of 2022 seeds, brand new seeds in. Wow. And then the rest of the vendors, if they're not in this week, they'll be in next week. Yeah, for sure. Yep, it'll be soon. Wow. It's exciting. It is. Christmas so, is over. Let's move on. So, mm-hmm. so, so, like back to the seed packets. So, you know, John was saying that some of them take a long time to germinate. So, I brought one example of something that would need to be started indoors quite a few weeks before the frost free date. So, this is a pepper, edible pepper. It's a variety called Santa Fe. But so it's saying you would need eight to 10 weeks indoors before it's ready to go outside. Oh, that's a lot. That is a lot. I would that's think. A, that's a lot and time. so that's going to kind of be on that. Cause most, the, the, the greatest lead time would be in that eight to 12 weeks, right? For Probably, just about anything yeah. that you guys can think of. Probably. Yeah. And then some things are just a matter of, you know, three or four weeks or whatever. Okay. But that makes a big difference. If yeah, you could start some things a little bit later on and get by with it, but something like this pepper, you need to really start on time. And so that's why when Marianne was talking about the calendar, boy, if you can figure out what you want to plant and and circle that date. And it's really critical not to have these plants ready too early because as Steve was saying, they get leggy and and you put them outside and they're, and they're done. You know, they, they just don't survive the new environment. 
Oh, because they're okay. too, they're not, not strong enough. Because I would think that by starting them earlier, I'm allowing them to get grow a little larger, a little more healthy before I do stick them outside, but uh, apparently yeah. not. Well, you have to have ideal growing conditions for them to be really strong and healthy going outside. I mean, most people can't start a seedling indoors at home as well as they could buy a top quality seedling at a garden center like Prairie Gardens. I mean, you just... Mm-hmm. It's just not the same because they're grown in a greenhouse there where it's easier for us to control all the requirements, whether it's light, moisture, humidity, temperature, than it is inside the home. But that being said, you can still do it and you can do a great job with it. You just have to figure out what you want and start with that seed packet and then have some of the supplies. It's it's just not a matter of... uh, planning on letting them grow, you know, sit by the window and they're not going to do everything on their own. You have to work at it. Okay. And and you can turn that into something fun that's enjoyable because you you can look down the road and think about that pepper or those zinnias or whatever you're starting and what it's going to look like outside. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned a soil mix or a seed starting mix. Absolutely. I, I brought one with me here. It's this Dr. Earth Root Zone. And we've got a number of different seed starting mixes uh, available at PG, right? So we've got little bags like this, and this is uh, one of the organic ones. And we've got another larger bag of an organic uh, version. We've got the Miracle Row brand, um, I think a Fertilone brand, Ready Earth. What are the differences other than brand? Some are a little bit heavier than others. Uh, Some are a little bit more coarse than others. Um, They all drain away quickly and easily. Uh, some of them have fertilizers added to them. Some don't. Some have mycorrhizae, beneficial fungus that help the root development uh, with it. So they're going to vary a little bit. Hmm. So they're all going to do the job. But seed starting mixes are typically very light and uh, small uh, particles. So watering can be just a really big problem. So when you first... First of all, you prob- when you're putting the soil in your container, you probably need to um, put moisture in with the soil before you ever plant the seeds. Oh. And probably, I would anyway, for the first week maybe use a mister to uh, water the, the seeds. Okay. Other- otherwise, you're just going to wash it out. The, the, plant- the seed could be planted at the proper depth when you do it, but yeah. then all of a sudden when you water it, Kaboosh. Oh. I've had big divots in my soil before. <laughs> you oh. just don't think about it. You have a watering can. I would not have thought about it. Yeah, it just comes just gushing ro- out. rolls off. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. so I think Marianne's point to water first before you sow the seed is essential. Water, let it drain away, let it settle a little bit. If you if it's settled so much that you need to add some more soil, you can put some more soil in and then water it again. And I'm talking about seed starting mix when I'm saying soil. Um, okay. And then... And then the containers that you use need to be uh, shallow. We don't want something that's, you know, eight six, inches deep. Six, eight <laughs> inches deep. No, you don't need that. Right. And, and right. why is that? Because it seems like it shouldn't really matter. Dirt is dirt. I mean, soil is soil. Container is container. But they need to be able to feel the bottom. <laughs> I don't get it. Well, anytime you have a, the, the larger the soil mass, the more moisture it's going to contain. So you'll run the risk of rotting. Okay. Well, that does make It's just going to be harder for you to control that. You'd be better off having something more shallow. This yep. would be about okay. the, the deepest I would go with, something like the, the little peat, peat strips. Pot, yeah. yeah. So yep. these are these are arguably maybe two and a quarter, two and a half inches tall. Yeah. And um, uh, I like them because 
if you have the room to sow one or two seeds in each one and then thin it out to one plant once they've come up, then I'm going to have very little transplant shock with this. And I could sow it directly into the garden. You know, I can just tear this off or the roots will grow through it either way. Uh, And I like that better than if they're just in a tray filled with seed and then you're trying to carve them out and cut them up or tear them apart and you're ripping the roots and makes the transplant a little bit tougher. Right. Okay. So on the seed packet, again, it talks about not only the date and how many weeks to march back, but it talks about planting depth. Yes, yes it does. absolutely. That's just huge, oh, I think. really huge. Absolutely it is. So that's right up there with proper temperatures and moisture and everything else, because if you sow these little seeds too deep, you aren't going to see it. A morning glory seed two inches deep is never going to come up. Morning glory seeds are they, really tiny. Why? Way too much effort. <laughs> Just that little, the little measurement, though, can make such a difference. I, some seeds are so small. Can, can you imagine what a strawberry seed is? <laughs> yeah. I know. I, we actually have had people ask for strawberry seeds. I, I don't know that we've ever sold them. I can't remember, John. But Oh, um, I'm just thinking tiny. of the seeds that you get when you bite into the strawberry, the little, little so, tiny so black things. Very, very tiny. Yeah. So trying to control those is just right next door to impossible. Not, not totally impossible, but close. S- I think Steve brought a little tool with him that's a, a seed dispenser that's, uh, for, for small seeds particularly, is just, I, I remember using them many times when I was younger. Well, yeah, just, just think about in, in each of your little trays, uh, you're going to only want to put two to three seeds. And trying to, to, to tweezer those out is going to be pretty meticulous. Ooh, tweezers. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah, that's not going to fly. So this is called a mini seed master term rapid clip. And it's just a little plunger, and you put the seed inside the funnel here, the tube, and then you depress the plunger, and it grabs the seed, and then you just carefully drop out one or two seeds or whatever you need to drop into that container. But it can it can handle the teeny tininess of it, the it's seeds. It's designed for that. This okay. would not this would not work for your beans and your corn. <laughs> it's designed for these small seeds. I'm thinking of the time when I I uh, got some. Moss, what is it I like? Portulaca moss rose? Not the rose moss, the... Um, the other the stuff? Irish oh, moss. Irish moss. Irish, Irish moss. moss. There okay. we go. Okay. And I tried to get seeds for that, and oh my goodness, the really? yeah, same thing. They were teeny tiny. I'm like, how? Yeah. How do you... Even? I think at the time you suggested putting it in a clump with more dirt and trying to get it spread out more. Oh, gosh. But that sounds a lot easier. That tool you're talking about. about. I don't know. I Again, that would be just, I would almost just sprinkle them on the top and then take that Mr. Spray bottle, like Marianne was saying, with water and just water them in lightly that way and Tamp just walk away. Yeah. 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 And hope for the best. Yeah. You know, the, the seed depth is really important. You talk about corn and bean seeds as opposed to something like a strawberry seed or a petunia seed or something of that nature. Um, the back of the package will also talk about a little bit um, direct sow. And tell you which seeds can be direct sown, uh, which means right into your garden. You don't start them indoors. But that's that's a whole nother issue. But again, it's all about that frost-free date. Um, and the s- soil temperature, even if you're planting a plant that's in a pot that you've purchased at the garden center, uh, soil temperature is really important. So that's something to pay attention to also when we come to garden time. 
Right. And, and sowing seeds. The heavier the soil, the more moisture it holds, the cooler, so the cooler it's typically it is. going to yeah. be. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Plus, if you're in, back to what uh, they were saying about not having a really tall pot, it'd be like outside because, you know, you have an infinite depth, basically. Even if it's in a raised bed, you're going down into the subsoil below. So it's going to be considerably cooler than it would be in a controlled environment, in a small container. Okay. All right. This is Plant Experts, normally live at Prairie Gardens, but uh, we pre-recorded this issue so that everybody could enjoy their New Year's Day. But here we are into 2022, and you've brought a variety of things for us to to chat about, and I'm curious about moving on to pruning, uh, because at this time of year, we can be pruning trees, is that right? Oh my gosh, yes. Perfect time. Perfect. Yay. Okay, let's talk about pruning then a little bit. What are things to keep in mind? I've, I've actually been pruning this week. Oh, you have been? I have been. Oh, how fun. Yeah. It's just, you know, some days it's not the right kind of day. I'm not one that's going to put on eight layers to go out and prune, you know. Mm-hmm. If it's too cold, just say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> you want to do it when it's raining or snowing probably. A uh, l- little bit of firmness in the soil. Uh, makes a difference you don't want to be out there tromping around after you've just had an inch and a half of rain you know just like any time of the year when we talk about don't get into your garden when the soil's too wet so pay attention to that but beyond that it's the weather's just right now good for pruning right so you said you've already started pruning what are things that you are looking for as you prune it's really easy to see aside um, from just looks Sometimes it's well, just like, I don't like it, that there. Yeah. yeah. The aesthetics of it is, well, it depends. It just depends. <laughs> if you're talking about Japanese maples, it, that's, that, a lot of that's aesthetics um, because it's the Japanese maples all by themselves are, are a piece of art. And, and, and pruning them to make them be a little more artsy is so much fun. But I, I just pruned. I have a, a couple of willow trees that I actually grow in containers, not in the ground, because I don't have space for that. But um, for shaping them up to be the kind of form that I want for the place that it's going to be. So, yeah, the shape of your, your plant, whether it's a shrub or a tree, uh, this is the time to start looking at that. Yeah. And where there's mistakes, you know, like crossing limbs, yep. broken limbs. Yep. And, and that being said, any time of year, you should take off any type of broken oh, yeah. or diseased branches or, or stems. Broken or diseased ones? Yep, yeah. absolutely. Okay. But sometimes uh, pruning is, is basically maintaining the health of the, of the plant. Some, overall, overall, not just that absolutely. specific limb. Sometimes you, you prune for specific reasons. You might want to uh, open it up for air circulation. Or, as That's Mary had just talked about, there's there's crossing limbs. Uh, you might want to prune because and the crossing limbs you don't want because of they'll the they'll rub. Yep, and you don't want to do that, which will cause wounds, which open yourself up to insect and disease problems. That's right. Okay. Sometimes you're pruning to control the size of the plant. I know. Sometimes I prune just to get it directed away from my roof. <laughs> Yeah. You're, you're getting a little exactly. close, yeah. too close to my roof. You're, exactly. you're out. Yeah. <laughs> and how many times on small trees are the branches just too close together? Yeah, and absolutely. You, and they oh. may maybe look fine now, but the branches are not going to get further apart. But as the branches increase in diameter, they will become 
rubbing or touching or crossing. Yep. Or it'll just be make the tree really weak because of all these limbs in a very small space that are just on the tree. So by thinning them out, yeah. it can make a big difference. Okay. So a lot of people ask about pruning rose bushes. I'm I'm not going to mess with my knockouts until March. So where I can when I can see when something has started to bud out on on a stem or whether or not it's been killed by the winter. So it's going to be March before I start addressing that one. But there's other things you certainly can start pruning now. Okay. There's also uh, pruning for for specific attributes about the plant. It can be uh, apple tree or a whole nother ball of wax or berry bushes, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, that's maintaining for fruit production. Okay. It's. John mentioned opening something up for air circulation. That's real important in a lot of fruit trees, not, not only just air circulation, but sun exposure. So if, it, if the oh, okay. uh, tree is too dense, then the fruit won't get enough light to ripen. So it's a whole thing all by itself. Okay. So, so if it was a shrub of some sort, you'd probably want to do a little bit of research, look online, Yes. And say how to prune a X, whatever it is. Because I keep thinking that's when you start worrying about if things grow on new wood or old wood. Ooh, would that be the hydrangea story? uh, Oh, is it? Ooh, yes. Yeah. Oh. So so a general rule is on early spring blooming plants, we'd recommend that you prune them right after they get done flowering. So your common ones, but not limited to forsythia and lilacs, for example. Many of the viburnums, for example would be to prune so they put on new growth, set flower buds that you don't see necessarily. Some you do, some you don't. So they'll bloom again the following spring. That way you can maximize the flowering production. But things that flower later in the summer, then you could prune over the winter here if you wanted to, or just in the spring before the plants start to leaf out and prune early. Put on a bunch of new growth for about four to eight weeks. Then they'll start to set flower bud on on that new wood, that new growth, and flower for you that year. So kind of a, that's probably pretty easy. And I think even though, again, you'd want to do the research, to me, I get a little bit more intimidated about pruning fruits, like you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And would want to read, and again, the University of Illinois Extension has some great information on oh, pruning absolutely. small fruits yes. and pruning fruit trees. And I would re- research that and follow those that direction because usually it's, it's, it's often, even with a berry bush, maybe a, a two-year process or maybe a three-year process. And with fruit trees, yep. it's certainly being mindful of what's to come over the next two to five years yes. and yep. what you're trying to get accomplished with it. But but beyond that, I don't think the shrubs are too complicated. No. I mean... I, I think most people want to know, first of all, when to prune hydrangeas. And we've talked about that, but we always have to do that refresher thing but beyond that it's about controlling the size of the plant it grew over my sidewalk what was it thinking it was all about the the, the site was wrong in, yeah. the, in the first place okay that goes way back to the beginning and yeah. that might have been on us right okay but i could get more i could get a little bit more intimidated by pruning a, a japanese maple that's really in a special place that you're going to enjoy it all the time especially yeah. if it's a mounding type yeah mm-hmm. it's like i really want to cut that branch or do i want to and then trying to imagine it yes and knowing marianne she probably took a picture probably put it in photoshop probably erased a branch <laughs> on her computer to see what it looked like 
I, yeah, no. <laughs> she has. Okay, she's not denying it. She actually has done it. No, but maybe she has held the, it up and put her thumb right over the branch that <laughs> the she's branch, considering yeah. getting rid of. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a great point. You could you can always take a little bit off to start with because if you go all the way where you're thinking, it might be wrong. Yeah. You, you know? can't put those branches back on the tree. <laughs> no uh, way. You just can't. You're right. I mean, it's not the end of the world, but you want to do it right yeah. when it comes to something like that. Yeah. You know, if it's a shade tree and so do I, should I remove this branch and that one? You'd want to think about it. But if you make a mistake, you know. Yep. Oops. <laughs> it's okay so yeah. much. But if it's a specimen plant that you've got just planted so, I'd want to maybe even get another opinion on that one. Yeah, some of them. Well, and as as simple as this sounds, I always have to remind myself of what you taught me was that a tree doesn't necessarily grow up, it grows out. So like if a if it if it starts off with a branch two feet above the ground, that branch will stay two feet above the ground. It'll just get larger. That's correct. Right? Yeah. Whereas I would I would expect it to end up yeah move like up the tree much larger <laughs> up in the air after a few years everything is corn in your mind right <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> sure that works it's a grass <laughs> no but but yeah then trying to imagine that and remember that though as i uh, examine all of the branches where i want the branches to be and as i try to imagine where they will be growing or how they will grow then that is something i have to remind myself of yeah yeah that that branch right there is not going to go any higher. It's going to stay right there. Stay That's a, a good point to remember when you're purchasing uh, a tree for anywhere in your on your property, and you buy a tree, and it's it's not going to be a, a twenty foot tall tree, probably, probably not. Right. You, you're mostly buying trees under ten feet, and sometimes under eight feet. But um, branches will be down to a foot from the soil surface. What so is going to be always a foot from the soil surface so if it's a shade tree particularly most people want to walk under the canopy so that would be really hard unless you can do the limbo really well okay (laughs) so over time you're going to start limbing it up or taking those lower branches off but you don't want to take off too much at first yeah okay i think that especially People get excited about that particular point where you, you plant it and you're thinking ahead how, yeah, I do want to walk or mow under there. And they you want to just let it grow for the first couple of years before yeah. you start to do any any shaping at all. Exactly. And and then after you can, I mean, you, you'll be able to tell when it starts getting its feet in the ground, which is two, three, four years usually. Yeah. Um, then you can start doing your pruning. Yeah. It doesn't have to be done right away. Okay. Oh, patience. Then, That's it. Gardeners, <laughs> we're loaded with it, aren't we? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> talk, but, talk about but, pruning tools. Well, go ahead. And I, I was just going to say, then there's the opposite where we've had people say, I've had this uh, viburnum shrub here for 15 years and now it's up against the house and what am I going to do? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. where we have to think about, you know, pruning, you know, every uh, annually or every few years as opposed to waiting till it's too late. And then you have to really think about how am I going to take care of it. That's just like we were talking about writing, uh, reading the seed package. There's usually some kind of a label with 
uh, most plants, that you, trees and shrubs that you'll buy. And if there isn't, talk to the person that you're buying it from. See if they can give you information or look it up. You know, there's the information's out there. You, you can't put a 50-foot-wide tree in a 10-foot space. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can, but you run into problems. You know, it's a, there's a house in the way or a sidewalk or something. But you have to be aware so that you don't have to, you know, it's planted for 15 years and now you've got to hack it back so that it works. Yeah. Plant it in the right place in the first place. Or try. <laughs> or hurry up and replant it when you see it isn't going to work out. <laughs> so, and you can do that. Sure. <laughs> with, with pruning tools. Mm-hmm. So the things that would be common would be hand pruners. And there's different types that we can talk about. There's saws, head shears, electric or manual, loppers, which are like big hand hand tools, hand pruners, effectively. Anything that you kind of look for when you're seeking one out in terms of the way it's styled or the anvil versus bypass or anything? I, I don't particularly care for bypass or for um, anvil uh, pruners myself. Why is that? They, I just, because uh, uh, I, I think it crushes the uh, tissue of what you're pruning. So it compresses it, the stem, it pinches and cuts, where a bypass makes a clean cut. Oh, okay. It bypasses the lower blade, where the anvil would come down on the, the bottom blade. And just pinches it. And so I it, see. it compresses a little bit, so it theoretically would damage the tissue a little bit. Yeah. Right? yeah. I don't think you'd get as clean a, a, a cut that way either. Yeah. So, so consequently, we might offer one or two styles of anvil pruners, maybe yeah. a, a low to medium price point and then a nicer one. But then we might offer 30 styles of bypass pruners. Right, exactly. Which reminds me, I did buy the loppers. The shorties? The short-handled ratcheted loppers. And boy, are they awesome. I'll nice. bet. Really I, I lightweight, too. Lightweight and just the right length mm-hmm. to get in close where I was. I mean, it was just perfect. And and That's have great. the enough leverage Oof. to yeah. really, yes, exactly. to really, you know, cut yeah. off what you need to. Yeah. So when you guys are pruning, um, and say you're not just lopping it off with a head shear or something like that, and you're looking at each individual cut that you're going to make, where do you guys determine where you're going to make that cut? How close to either uh, the main trunk or how close to some buds or what do you what do you look for? Well, I usually do two different cuts because if you go up too close to the branch, you can get it too close and make a opening or a wound. That won't heal over. Yes. So when you make the first cut, what are you doing? I'm going out. Uh, it just depends on how long it is, but at least an inch or two away, and then I do a second cut. So you're making a cut to get the weight off and yep. get the junk out of the way, to, and then you're coming in and making a more precise cut. Yep. And that first cut, is that on the bottom of the branch or the top? Well, on I, th- I think you're talking... Underneath or on you're, top? You're talking about a sawing technique, maybe. I think you're just saying no, with loppers like or pruning. <laughs> I I'm prune just like pruning. that. <laughs> I'm just pruning. <laughs> I, I go in with my hand clippers yeah. and do it, and then come back with loppers or something and do oh, that. Oh, okay. So the hand clippers, I tried and I tried and I tried to cut this one branch off, and I just I didn't have it in my hands anymore. My hands are pretty strong. Yeah. I, I had that ratchet, that short-handled ratcheted prune lopper, and just like butter. Piece like, of cake. Boop, there you went. Yeah. But I usually use two different 
instruments when I'm doing something like that. So you're you're obviously talking about more of a tree situation, John, where it's a branch on a tree. Tree or shrub, yeah. Yeah, and you're you're cut and you're cutting back to the main the main trunk or main stem, right? So you're saying you'll cut a few inches away and just get rid of the majority of the length of the branch. And then you'll come in and you'll place that second cut just right. So the right amount of stub, I don't know what the technical term would be for is sticking off the main trunk. Yep. Because you, you actually want to leave a little bit of a stub from a healing standpoint. You do. You want to get it close, but you don't want it to be flush in with the, with the trunk. True. So Thanks for explaining it. Explaining it. He did. So, he explained it. So if it was not that situation, but say it was a, a branch and you wanted to reduce the length of the branch and you've decided about, about where you want to cut it, you look for where buds are, right? Whether they're oh, um, yeah. opposite oh, buds or alternate buds on both sides of the stem. Doesn't oh, yeah. merely matter, but you're looking for a bud. Maybe which direction, if it's alternate, which one goes out or allows the most light or air circulation, like you talked about earlier, into the plant, because you're going to be promoting some new growth. But how close to that bud do you typically get when you cut? Pretty close, like, you know, less, what, an eighth of an inch-ish? I always like to leave a little bit. I, I don't actually measure mine, but it's, I think it's as important for fruit trees as, like, rose bushes. Like you said, getting the bud growing in the right direction. Yep. You don't want to leave that first bud growing into your plant. Mm-hmm. You want that first bud being growing out and right above it, which could mean a quarter of an inch. Yeah. Or if it's a, a little bit bigger branch, it could be a little bit more than that. But, but per, pretty close. Pretty darn close because you don't want a dead stub hanging on there. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, you know, even back to the direction that you want it, you mentioned roses and fruit trees. Even a Japanese maple, I'd be oh, yeah. conscious of which way I'm cutting to which bud. Yeah. Am I going to promote the growth to go inward or outward or up or down or what do I want to do? Yep. Okay. So you like bypass versus anvil. Got that. Yep. So clean blades, sharp blades are sharp critical. is really critical. And most of us are not going to sharpen our blades again. Some people do, but most people don't. True. Right? So Whatever so, sharpen their yeah. blades? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we could line up 100 people, and I think we'd very find very few that would say they sharpen their blades. I'm real lucky I have somebody who sharpens for me. There you I go. I don't sharpen That's, them. There you go. I think keeping them clean is really oh, important yeah. keeps them as sharp as anything. If you leave all that residue on there, then it's just built up. In That's your a great point. So if you clean them off, do you clean them off with just soapy water? Do you clean them off with alcohol or some other chemical? Or what do you clean them off with? I know, don't waste the alcohol. Seriously. Dirty I always keep um, a, a weak bleach water in my potting shed. Okay. It's, it's what I use to clean everything. Okay. Bleach and also, uh, if you do use any kind of a cleaner or soap, uh, you want to make sure you wipe it off and dry it. And sometimes an application of light oil on top. That's over the line, John. I'm well. sorry. <laughs> she, cro- she she drew the line at the bleach water, I guess. Yeah. I know. But but anyway, that's since He's you're so conscientious. Well, since yeah. you're getting them well, wet, the John's saying I could kind of see that. Yeah, John's oh, saying to keep the rust from because otherwise it'll rust. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. If it's bleach water, you know, you could you, essentially you could pit the the uh, metal. Oh. And it's, you know, you okay. just got to take care of the stuff. 
Right. Shovels, you know, and it doesn't matter what it is. They all need to be pruned or pruned, and sharpened. Uh, with the tools, is there anything simple that I can keep on hand that will, like a, like a granite rock or whatever? Or do I have to take them to a machinist and have them you know, professionally sharpened? Well, I don't think you have to have them professionally sharpened, but you could make it more dull just as easily as you could sharpen it if you don't do it correctly. Yeah. Oh, that's for sure. You guys don't sell That's, anything then? Just sharpen tools? We don't, we don't have a whetstone or anything like that. But again, mm-hmm. you'd still have to use it properly. Okay. That's why I think most people just, just don't, don't do it. Just yeah. don't do it. Yeah. And then just say, hey, I'm going to spend 10 bucks to 30 bucks on a new pruner. and But I'm going to get three to five to 10 years out of this pruner in the meantime. Yeah. And then they move on. Or they have two pruners in two different locations so they can... Yeah, I I agree with pruners. I would I never sharpen, just yeah. get new. But now, if you're going to some other tool like a shovel or a spade, I have been known to sharpen those a little bit. You get yeah. your file out for that. It's a file. Yeah. Our, okay. But that's a Our farm. Gr- that's grinder. a farm thing I learned from my dad. Our, yeah. okay. A grinder. Yeah. yeah. A grinder. There's lots yeah. of ways to do it. A grinder. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and the best thing to do every time you use it. Hose it off. If it's really crusty, scrape it. Okay. Scrape all that Gunk. soil off and yeah. go goo. Keep it clean. Okay. Sounds so, good. Yep. So when it comes to saws, there's bow saws, there's recurved saws, there's folding saws, there's all kinds. So again, that'd be a, probably a good thing to look online and get some ideas before you make a purchase. Part of it's the close quarters and how tightly you need to work in between branches. Mm. And, you know, you talk, John talked about making a cut with a pruner to get the majority of the branch out of the way, and then he makes a precise cut. You could make that argument as much or more for a saw because it'd be, it's real easy to cut mm-hmm. too close to the main trunk and not leave the proper amount of stub, if you will, and then it's just not going to heal properly. Hmm. With that. And then I think where Marianne was talking about undercutting, sometimes when you're undercutting a heavier branch, you'll make a cut and on the gave, bottom side yeah. of it, right? Yeah. And then you'll come back closer to the trunk and cut on the top side, and the weight of the branch will take it off, and it won't tear the bark on the trunk. And that way you get the big chunk out of the way safely, and then you can make that precise cut I close see. to the trunk. Excellent advice. It's oh, that time of year. You plant experts. You're so full of knowledge. You're so fun to listen to. All right, we have maybe about five minutes left of the show. Is there anything that you kind of want to steer toward now? You want to just talk about pruning hydrangeas since we just got done talking about pruning? Pruning. Why not? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Let's do it. Different Say, types of hydrangeas. Right. There's so many hydrangeas now. Okay. So uh, you have to know what type of hydrangea you have before you do any type of pruning in research. So. And if you don't know what kind you have, then you follow Steve's advice if it blooms in the spring. Um, don't prune it before it blooms. Okay. Yep. And and most of the hydrangeas here are summer blooming plants. Mostly. Mostly. You know, and so certainly the vast majority of what we sell anymore are the panicle type hydrangeas, oh, which sure. are summer blooming hydrangeas, and their flowers are cone shaped, if you will. And that's not necessarily a guarantee that you're doing the right thing, but. If they're somewhat cone-shaped and not rounded, there's a real good chance it's a panicle type. Okay. But if it isn't a panicle type, you know, one of the big, ball, beautiful ones. When would you guys prune an Annabelle? What's your first choice? Annabelle, that's it. 
What's the first choice? As far as when, timing-wise. Late, late winter or early spring before they start to leaf out. So yeah, you're out pruning your rose bushes. Go do them also. So the Anna, Annabelle's, Annabelle's will bloom on new growth. Mm-hmm. They right? bloom on new growth, right? Right. And so um, whacking them in the winter, whacking them in the spring if you want to wait and see what died over the winter and what didn't, and you can kind of yep. back to where they're alive. Okay. And then something I've tried, I've played with just to make them not floppy, is to prune them once early, let them grow for maybe another two or three weeks, and then prune them again just to make the stems a little bit sturdier. Did Ooh. it work? Uh-huh. Oh, cool. Yeah. But, you'll, but you delay the flowering sure. a bit, too. Yeah. But that's one more option is to do a double cut a few weeks apart. Yeah. That's nice way of doing it. So the paniculatas bloom on uh, new wood. So they're one of those that you can prune in the spring. Okay. Because everything it throws up that year is going to have a flower on it, or in theory it will. But the ones that that are real popular in the market are, are a little more difficult to, to work around. It's the macrophyllas, uh, which they always bloomed on old woods, so you couldn't prune them um, in the winter because you would be cutting off the flowers for the spring. Right. Okay. So all, a whole bunch of new varieties in the market now. The uh, macrophyllas bloom on old and new wood. So it's kind of a, you know, a gamble. <laughs> so it's kind of fun. And and some of those uh, tend to, depend on the severity of the winter, they will be killed all the way back to the ground. Yeah. And then... You won't have any flowers. You won't have any flowers. So uh, you can do some protection yeah. over the winter. Good idea. I think it's a good practice on those. But I'm certainly less excited about microphylas now than I would have been 15 years ago. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. I think people get... Uh, hung up with that pink and the blue. Thing. Yeah, the blue the blue flower so, is really a big sell. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you have to make the effort to make it do that. It's a lot of maintenance. Yeah, it is totally but the protection, the the soil pH, all that kind of stuff. Uh, man, they bloom beautifully anyway. But the paniculatas and the arborescence just are fabulous, and you don't have to do anything to them. So if somebody was walking through their yard now or this next month here, if they just want to get rid of even the spent flower heads from their paniculatas, oh, say sure. if they have a, a limelight or a little lamb or something like that, yeah. they could cut those back without a problem. Absolutely. And then if they want to influence the size of the plant, they could go ahead and cut it back more over the course of the winter. Yeah. When would you guys prune oak leaf hydrangeas? Almost never. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Really? Right, right after they flowered. <laughs> yeah. That would be the best time. When do they typically flower, the oak leaf hydrangeas? They're sp- spring, summer-ish. Okay. Um, but they only bloom on old wood. So you have to have an intact stem make it through the winter with flower buds on it, you know, that doesn't get hit back by the cold, which they typically don't. They're pretty, they're reasonably tough around here. Yep. Okay. That's why I said almost never. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's so many good compact varieties out now, too. Yeah. They don't get too large. So yeah. Even less yeah. of a reason to have to so try and prune them for size. Used yeah. to be you thought about an oak leaf hydrangea, and it was, um, oh, that's 15 feet tall <laughs> and wide. <laughs> that's not going to fit in my yard. But now uh, several varieties that are under four feet by four feet. So, yeah, you don't, don't need, need to have to prune them. Nice. Yeah, okay. it is nice. So hydrangeas, panicle, oak leaf, climbing? There's oh, there a climbing hydrangea. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, what am I forgetting? Arborescence. The Annabelle. Oh, okay. Those are arborescence. Yes. Smooth hydrangeas. Okay. And macrophyllas. Smooth. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. And macrophyllas. And there's the, one called mountain or serrata. The serratas. It's more of a lacy type flower. Are they are they popular around here? Mm, can be. Or can we we sell, sell them around here? We sell. So yeah. you, you, we you handle those like the macrophyllas. Yeah. Yep. yep. Pretty much. Okay. Protection. All right, good deal. Well, here we are just about at the end of our show, um, but at the beginning of a whole new year. Happy New Year. So, new so year. Prairie Gardens is open New, new Year's, Year's Day. Day and 10 o'clock? 10 to 5. 10 to 5 on yep. New Year's Day, okay, something like good. that. So we are open and Christmas sales continuing on and stuff like that, too. We just, oh, gosh, yes. again, thought it'd be nice just not to see each other on a Saturday morning for once. So. <laughs> I don't know if I would phrase it like that necessarily because I look forward to seeing you guys on Saturday mornings. However, seeing as it is, you know, a a festive holiday, I don't mind taking the time to spend it with my family. So thank you for that. Nice. And I hope you guys can do the same. No, I'll be at work, but that's okay. All right. Well, you know, (laughs) you can get mad at Steve for that one. That's (laughs) okay. All right. This has been Plant Experts, the studio edition. <laughs> I like that. Thank I like you. it. With WDWS, our plant experts, of course, Marianne Metz. Thanks, Marianne. You're welcome. Happy New Year, hon. Thank you. Uh, John Weisgarber, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, and Happy New Year, happy Steve New Year. Brown. Thank you. All right. Um, up next, we have Saturday Sports Talk here on News Talk 1400, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. And we'll be back at the store next Saturday for another fun-filled episode. Hope you can join us then. Have a great weekend and Happy New Year!